ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Monday, everybody. Hope you're all doing well on this Monday afternoon. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you for the next two hours here on ESPN 106.7. It's a beautiful day outside, a little chilly, but that's okay. It's sunny, it is nice, and you know what? We have got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of positivity to talk about on the show today. It seems like it's been a while because it has been a while. We get to talk about an Auburn football victory on Saturday uh, for the first time in a long time. So we're going to talk about that a lot today. And reminder that on Mondays, it's a busy, busy day here on On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. We're going to talk Auburn, Texas A&M from Saturday. We're also going to talk with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. We'll talk to him at 2.30. He'll tell us everything about the Alabama Crimson Tide and their win over the weekend. And as we get into basketball season as well then in hour number two more Auburn Texas A&M talk more college football talk from over the weekend and then at 3 30 we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network all that is coming up here on the Monday edition of on the line Carter happy Monday brother how was your weekend the weekend was good man I mean Auburn got a win I didn't after the game after a win for the first time in what since the San Jose State game, I know you you called in and we 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 told you that yeah. on the on the air. It was yeah. Uh, yeah, it was good to finally do one after after a win because M- McKenzie filled in for the only other win that we had done it for, and uh, man, it was it was a good weekend and I'm in such a good mood. It's the sun is out the sun's shining my, my friend I'm it is ha- i'm happy to be here absolutely it's a great monday it is a great monday and we'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 we do have two guests today but we'd love to hear from you around our guests talking about auburn texas a&m what'd you think what'd you think of auburn beating texas a&m on saturday if you were at the game what was your opinion of the atmosphere, of the temperature? Because it was chilly Saturday night. What was your thoughts on Coach Cadillac getting his first win as the Auburn head football coach? All of that, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Phone lines are open. Again, we'd love for you to join in, be a part of the show, and be on the line. 334-321-1390. Well, Auburn does beat Texas A&M on Saturday. Uh, it was not an offensive performance by any means it was not an offensive showing by any means and it was ugly at times from both sides but Auburn beats Texas A&M 13 to 10 at Jordan-Hare Stadium coach Cadillac gets his first win as the interim head coach I'll go ahead and tell you I was there on Saturday it was chilly there's no doubt about it it was it was a little cold I like it but most people down here don't uh that definitely had a little bit of an impact on the crowd but not a whole lot fans showed up fans showed out they were excited before the game during the game and after the game uh there were smiles and laughter and cheering and positivity all day and night something we have not seen in Auburn in quite some time and laughter make it sound like it was almost uh like a like a Christmas holiday it was it really was (laughs) it was like a holiday in Jordan-Hare Stadium Saturday when Auburn 
ends up beating Texas A&M and Sure, A&M scored 10 points. Their final touchdown was they had late. 215 yards. Exactly. The, the, uh, I mean, had, they, and the last drive was what, an 80-yard touchdown drive? The best okay, drive sure. of the game for them. Yeah, I mean, you you had a stretch in time there. Well, you held them below 100 yards uh, on the ground. You, you saw Wegman in the middle of the game had 13 straight incompletions. Yeah. He looked... He looked horrible. Their offense just like, looked what? like non-existent. Is, I am baffled that that, that that team with that talent, it's the fourth most talented roster in America, and they can't put up, put up 220 yards of offense yeah. in a game? I know, I know. And they, now like their offense is more embarrassing than Iowa's. It's up there. It's up there <laughs> for sure. And now, like we mentioned, in sort, ha- uh, sort of – uh, teased on Friday, right, was will we be sitting here on Monday talking about Jimbo Fisher still as the head coach at Texas A&M? He's still there, right? He's still the head coach, and I don't know how long that's going to go, but they are going to have a bad season. It's already bad, but they've got two games to go, and it's not looking any good or any better, I should say, for Texas A&M because you lose to Auburn, this Auburn team, and not, I'm not trying to bash Auburn or talk bad about Auburn, but we know what this Auburn team is and what the, the remains of this program are right now. You let Auburn beat you and make your offense look that bad, plus all of the other stuff from this entire season, not a good look for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M. And like you talked about, this is the fourth most talented roster in the country. They've got three wins. And they've lost, what, six straight? The Six first straight. time they've done that in fifty years. I mean, this is this is amazing that that Jimbo Fisher has allowed this to happen. The quarterback situation at A and M is the worst in the SEC, and that's saying something because Auburn has Robbie Ashford, who I'm not convinced is is healthy. They have Zach Calzada, who's in a shoulder sling, T.J. Finley, who's not with the team. And a true freshman who's thrown, what, three three passes in his career right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, and their situation is better than what A&M has. Which says something. And you look at A&M, they've got UMass this weekend. Uh, you would think they could win, but you just never know. And then LSU uh, in two weeks for their rivalry week game. So it's not going to end well for Texas A&M. They'll probably get to four wins, uh, and then they will end up being four and eight in 2022. Then you will start talking, will Jimbo Fisher be the next head coach at Texas A&M? But enough about the Aggies. Let's talk about Auburn and what Auburn did on Saturday. Again, offensively, was it good? No, not really. But defensively, was fantastic. You made a Texas A&M offense that wasn't great to start. You made them look terrible. I mean, you, you like Carter said, you heard the stats. They did absolutely nothing until the final drive of the game. And whether it was pretty or not, Auburn comes into the game Saturday motivated, ready to go, with still a skeleton of a coaching staff, with an interim head coach that's coached literally one game as a head coach in his entire life. You come in and you beat Texas A&M, an SEC squad, the fourth most talented team, or roster I should say, in the country. You beat them in your house on Saturday night and you get Coach Cadillac that first win. And I'll tell you, from being in the stands on Saturday, the fans loved it. 
They absolutely mm-hmm. loved it from the game day experience, from the game itself, to rolling tumors corner afterwards. Fans loved the result on Saturday. Was not pretty, but they loved the result. Yeah, this was an environment that that it's not going to make any national headlines. It's not going to um, to I guess get the 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 attention nationally, but the impact is real, especially when you look at the the circumstances around what all is is taking place around uh, some of the potential coaching candidates and their comments about their their own crowds. Uh, the fact that Auburn was able, as a three-win team, playing a three-win team, was able to sell it out and put forth one of the best atmospheres in the country. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's it's incredible that uh, the atmosphere was that awesome, the emotion was that real, and I think it made an impact with a lot of people. And I think the person it made the most impact on was Cadillac Williams. You saw his comments and his press conference and his post game interviews all after the game, and he just. You could just see he was overwhelmed with emotion and overwhelmed with generosity to Auburn and just how much he was grateful for the opportunity, for the win, and for the Auburn family. He talked about that a lot because it is real. And if you were to take a non-sports fan, right, somebody that doesn't know anything about football, doesn't care anything about Auburn or anything about the SEC, and you would have dropped them inside Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday night, they would not be able to tell that those were two, three, and six football teams playing based on the atmosphere in Jordan-Hare Stadium. You couldn't tell. Pre-game, you couldn't tell. In the middle of the game, you couldn't tell. And at the end in the fourth quarter, the crowd was still there. The cold got to some people, there's no doubt. I would say probably 85% were still there the entire game. But you would not be able to tell based off the atmosphere and the fans' engagement and the sideline engagement from Auburn that that was a 3-6 and six football team on Saturday night for Auburn. You just wouldn't be able to tell. This Auburn team has showed so much heart and so much fight over these last two weeks that, that if you're an Auburn fan, you can't help but appreciate and respect it and, and be hopeful for the future. I mean the 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 way that Auburn celebrated after the 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 game, um, it made you think that Auburn won like an SEC West division championship, and instead, um, it was just a game to get to four wins. Their fourth still, win and keep hope alive that maybe you win out and go to a bowl game, which looks maybe possibly. We can talk more about that in a little <laughs> bit. I do have some interesting thoughts there. I mean, although. The line for the game on Saturday is very low. It is low. Five and a half points is what I saw last. Yeah, that's what uh, I saw. I think that's what it opened up as. But look, those are all the positive things from Saturday. You got to talk about some of the negative things from Saturday as well. Because in four quarters of play, Auburn put up 13 points on a Texas A&M defense that has shown they're not great. They played pretty well. But Auburn helped him out quite a bit. Robbie Ashford, 6 of 13, 60 yards. He did have a touchdown, but he also had two interceptions, right? Tank Bigsby, he did his job. 23 carries, 121 yards. He got the carries and he got the yards. But Auburn just couldn't 
get it going right they just couldn't put anything in the end zone and find that big play and do what they needed to do to score more than 13 points right I mean Auburn racked up well, I say racked up. They only had 330 total yards. A&M had 215, which is not good. But Auburn had 330 yards. They also had three turnovers. So offensively, it was not pretty. And again, I will stand by this. Robbie Ashford has got a lot of improving to do. And whether he's the quarterback next year or not, the starting quarterback next year or not, we can have that discussion. And I think there's a discussion to be had there. But he's just not the answer for me right now. I don't know where you go because your options are pretty limited, unfortunately, for Auburn. And I think at this point, you just ride it out because why not? Just give the kid some experience. But 6 of 13, missing open guys, one touchdown, two interceptions. You you can't expect to win very many games doing that. Now, again, Robbie Ashford running the football is a separate category. That's a whole separate conversation where I said on Friday, Mm -hmm. he should not throw it very often. He should run it more than anything, and he did just fine. So, look, Auburn, you score that opening touchdown, right, in the in the first quarter. You score that touchdown, and you're thinking, okay, maybe some things are going to happen. And then you have two field goals after that, and that's it. That's all you did offensively. Yeah, I mean, you – the part of the issue there is is you did have, I guess, some penalties that I think stalled out some drives you but you just weren't able you weren't capable of really throwing the football uh and that was an issue and that's why I'm starting to have the belief because you remember that there were there were the rumors a few weeks ago that Robbie may not he took a hit to the shoulder a few games ago there's a rumor that he was going to miss one of the games with potentially a shoulder injury and he's had that tape on the right shoulder I'm I'm starting to wonder if maybe he's his shoulders not not where it probably needs to be to be a competitive passer and that affects it that shows up in a game like this. It uh, could be. It definitely could be, but and, I and, and I I look at that deep ball that he threw. He wasn't throwing that ball to Quinn Moore. I don't believe it. Uh, and he can say he was, but uh on the replay Jordan Rodgers made note of it. His eyes are on Shed Jackson. And he underthrows Coy Moore, so he underthrew Shed, Shed Jackson by 15 yards. Exactly. And so, yeah, he there very well may be some injury things going on. We don't know. So this is just us sort of trying to break down why Robbie Ashford is struggling to throw the football. I just don't think the accuracy is there. I really don't. I just don't think his passing ability is there yet. And sort of like we talk about with Auburn basketball not being able to shoot the ball, Same thing with Robbie Ashford not being able to throw the football consistently. At this point in your life and at this point in the game, it's hard for me to believe you're going to just develop that overnight or over an offseason. Not saying you can't. Not saying you can't improve. And not saying that somebody couldn't come in and make Robbie Ashford really good. I just don't know how you get that much better and improve drastically from where we are right now with Robbie Ashford as a passer to where he needs to be to win football games in the SEC. I just have mm-hmm. a really hard time finding where that's going to happen in an offseason. Yeah, I think it I think he needs he needs time. It's something that Jack and I talked about um on after the game that we don't think Robbie Ashford is going to be the starting quarterback in twenty three. We think twenty three needs to be a developmental year, kinda get a coach in the door that can develop quarterbacks and kind of have the the 
the year for him to be healthy, learn the offense, develop as a quarterback, and then address the offensive line issues, go get a transfer quarterback is kind of how I see it right now. Calzada might still be on the roster, and he might be healthy enough to play next year, but I'm n- I don't know if Calzada is your answer either. I think I think whoever the next coach is is probably going to go get a transfer quarterback that is better than the options on the table right now at Auburn. I think you almost have to, yes. right? I mean, Agreed. you you have to. There's unfortunately again, unfortunately for Auburn, there is not a quarterback on the roster right now that's going to win you big time SEC games. There's just not because Robbie Ashford, again, he's not there. Zach Calzada is still injured, and he may not be the answer. And then you've got Holden Garner, who I think can be really good, but he's also very young and has thrown, like you said, three, four, five passes in his entire Auburn career. So you can't rely on that if you're trying to win games, especially if the new coach comes in and looking to win immediately. You can't put everything on a guy like Holden Garner, I don't think. So I agree. I think a transfer quarterback would be a good idea. Where you go for that, I don't know. You got to wait and find out and see who's in the transfer portal. But look, Auburn beats AM on Saturday. Again, doesn't matter how ugly it was, doesn't matter how proud it was, pretty it was, whatever you want to call it. Auburn wins on Saturday, and the Auburn fan base felt it. Auburn fans are excited. You've got Western Kentucky this weekend, and then you've got the Iron Bowl next week. And, of course, we'll talk about that later on in the week and obviously next week and the following week. So we're going to be talking about this uh, for the next couple of weeks as the season winds down in college football. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Question of the day when we come back. The biggest result from over the weekend. What was it in college football? We'll talk about it when we come back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Monday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line. Welcome in. Happy Monday, guys. How y'all doing? Doing Doing good, Terry. What you got for us? Got a couple of things I want to address here. Excuse me. First of all, uh, I don't think Robbie Ashford is the starting quarterback next year. As I told you on after the game, Carter, I don't think he's SEC caliber quarterback. I do think he's an SEC caliber athlete. I mean, yeah, you can absolutely say that. I think the tools are there to eventually develop into a quarterback. But I, I'm, I'm not convinced that he's 100% healthy right now. Just with the with the way that he's throwing the ball, um, the way it looks coming out of the hand, the the deep ball is the best uh, evidence that I have for that. But I I believe that the tools are there. He just needs time to develop, and he needs somebody who can actually develop him at the quarterback position. Yeah, I agree. And let me preface this next statement by what, and I, you guys can see where I'm coming from. I'm sure. Okay, while Carnelium certainly has brought excitement, enthusiasm to Auburn's program, uh, this talk about him being the head coach is sometimes something ridiculous, quite honestly. Because let me ask you guys this question: If he goes six and six next year, or if eight, eight and three, eight and four, whatever, would you want to be the guy to fire Carnell Williams? I don't think that the next coach is going to fire Carnell Williams. I think I think I think Carnell Williams is going to be on this. Well, staff. Terry's saying if Carnell were to oh, be the next head yeah, coach, yeah, yeah, if he were to have a couple of mediocre seasons, then you'd have to be the one to fire him. That's a good point. That I, I, don't, I don't think I, we've. I, I just don't think that there's a real scenario where Carnell Williams is the coach I don't next either. year. He doesn't I'm, have the experience. I'm with you. He's been a 
He's been a college coach for four years. He's been a and he's never been higher than a position coach until the last two weeks. He's when you look at it, he's he coached under Malzahn, who has has an extremely closed off coaching tree. Uh, he coached under Horson, who half of that staff is from Boise, and you just fired. They're not going to come back. And like, how is he going to fill out a staff? And he's never called plays. Like it, it, the the people that want him to be the offensive coordinator. I think that's a tough ask too. I think that's just as hard as tough of an ask and ask as as the the making him a head coach because he's never called plays before. I think you can set him up to be that in the future under the new staff, but I just don't see a scenario where Cadillac Williams is the head coach at Auburn. Okay, let me ask you this, Jacob and Carter. If he went six and six and beat Alabama and goes six and six, do you not think there'd be a huge groundswell of support to make him the head coach? I think there would definitely be people that would push for it, but if you just look at the big picture, right? I mean, obviously, this would be a four. Agreement. This would be a four or five game stretch, and it would be fantastic. And I think everybody would be very uh, appreciative of what he did, and honestly, surprised if that were to be the case. Because when he took over, we all know it's it's still not great. And if you go in and beat Alabama on the road, that's huge. But I think there would be a lot of support, a lot of thankfulness for Cadillac. But I I would hope that most Auburn fans would realize. Cadillac Williams is great. He needs to remain at Auburn in some way, shape, or form, but probably not head coaching material right now. And I would tell those people, quit thinking with your heart and start thinking with your head. That's right. That, un- unfortunately, that's right. I, and, and I think that's where you've got to go, and I think that's where Auburn will go. And to be honest with you, Terry, I don't think Cadillac would expect to be the next head coach. Even Even if he were to win out, I wouldn't think he'd expect that. I agree. I agree 100. I think I think it's it's more important to keep him on the staff than anything else. Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Think. Yep. And I think uh, Lane Kiffin or Hugh Freeze, whoever it is, could be could do, would do that. I really believe that uh, for recruiting because Auburn is so deficient of talent, it's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. And and if they don't keep him, then you may as well not even take the job. That that ought to be something in the contract. Like whoever takes the next job, Cadillac Williams has to remain on the staff. Absolutely. You guys have a great day. Yeah, you too, Terry. Good to hear from you. That is Terry joining us here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Uh, We'll talk some college football later on in the show, but no, he's exactly right. I mean, I don't think there's any situation where Cadillac would be the next head coach, even if he wins out, even if he beats Bama, even if he wins a bowl game. I don't think he would be the head coach. And to my point, I don't think he would expect that. I really don't because that's a massive, massive step. And like Carter talked about, this guy's never been a head coach. He's never even been a coordinator. He's been a a an extra coach. He's been a position coach mm-hmm. for a few years. So I, I think I, I think that there's a path to making him like run game coordinator or something where he's he's in the game planning meetings and you you kind of start to build help get a better understanding of play calling and everything and get get to a point where he can eventually be an offense coordinator. And give him room to grow. Yes, absolutely. I think that's exactly what Auburn needs to do. I, I just think that it's a um, it's a really big ask to ask him to become the head coach. Because I come back to, how is he going to fill out a staff? How is he going to fill out a staff? He does not have the coaching network to do that. Not to yet. To do that effectively. Not yet. You're right. You're absolutely right. And again, he's not a head coach yet, right? I mean, he is right now, but the the day-to-day that it takes to be a head coach and the play calling and the scheming and the planning and the preparation, all of that, 
he doesn't have that experience yet because that's completely different than being a running backs coach where your focus is the running backs and the running game and that side of it. This is now taking over the entire program that is under your watch, your surveillance, your say-so. That's just so much more. And it has nothing to do with Cadillac as a person, with Cadillac's legacy, anything like that. He just doesn't have the experience yet, right? I mean, it would be... It would be like somebody going to the high school quarterback and say, hey, we need you to go play for the Broncos. You're like, no, he's not ready for that yet. So that's what we're talking here. Cadillac has done great things already. He won on Saturday. And you know what? If Brian Harson was here, Auburn probably finds a way to lose that football game. And so Cadillac's going to do great things. I think he'll do great things down the road, whether it's at Auburn long-term or not. We'll find out. But whoever the next head coach is, I think everybody's in agreement with this. I mean it. It needs to be in the contract. You better keep Cadillac Williams here when you take this job because if you don't, the fan base will turn on you on day one, and that is not what you want to be the next head coach at Auburn. When we come back, we're going to talk to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, get his thoughts on the Alabama Crimson Tide football and basketball. You do not want to miss it. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you here on the Monday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Welcoming in our usual Monday 2.30 guest, it's Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. He joins us every Monday here on the show. Joey, happy Monday. We'll talk some Alabama football and then some Alabama basketball. Talking about the Crimson Tide, they go on the road, they get a 30-24 win over Ole Miss. Uh, their SEC West hopes are done. Their college football playoff hopes are probably done with that. But Alabama beats Ole Miss on Saturday. Your takeaways? Yeah, you know the you know solid performance from the defense uh, all around. Uh, final drive got a little bit scary. Just going off with two losses Alabama's had this year with the, pretty much the final drive coming down to a defense falling short. But um, no, it was, a, it was a good performance. You know, I, I would like to see more on the offense. It was pretty much, you know, kind of impotent in the first half, but it ended up coming back and, you know, making some noise in the final two quarters. So, um, good road win for Alabama. Um, probably their best win of the season so far, and looking forward to seeing if that can possibly get them in a New Year's Six Bowl in just, uh, just a few weeks' time here. Joey, we uh, saw Jameer Gibbs get banged up in in the game on Saturday. What what update uh, do you have for, for him, and how is – how is he looking for? I guess these these last couple couple games down the uh, home stretch. Yeah, you know, uh, from after the game we talked to Nick Saban, and he said that he just twisted his ankle. He is expected to be fine for this coming weekend. Um, we don't know if he was at practice yet. Um, we'll, we'll probably find that out later this afternoon once we get some photos and videos from practice. But as of right now, Saban did not have an update for him this morning, um, and that's not because he didn't have anything to say; it's just because he wasn't asked. But it appears to be a very minor uh, injury, and he should be good to go this coming weekend. Joey Bryce Young went 21 of 33, 209 yards, and three touchdowns through the air. Uh, his performance was was solid. It was good enough to get the win on the road in the SEC, which we all know is extremely tough. What has he done to just continue his success from last year into this year? 
yeah, you know, I think I think it's about time that we saw Bryce Young kind of settle down. Um, like I said, you know, the offense did struggle in the first half, but it really picked up in those final 30 minutes of play. And, um, it's just it's good to finally see him, you know, kind of kind of mesh well. The wide receivers did a solid job. A lot less drop balls than we've seen in, in you know in their loss this year. Um, but you know, I, I think he's, he's finally coming around. It's a little bit too little, too late, obviously for the Salmon team, but no doubt gives them a you know gives Alabama fans some hope for a you know solid performance in the Iron Bowl, and then of course in whatever bowl they end up uh, heading to. So he won't win the Heisman Trophy this year. Like I said, it's a little too late, too little, too late for that. But uh, Alabama fans can rest assured they have a good quarterback for the rest of this year. So uh, jo- uh, Joey, with with this performance this year with this this Alabama offense. How how are Alabama fans feeling? I know that I guess they're the, the coordinators are always hot topics at, at Alabama. How are they feeling with Bill O'Brien? And I know his name's being mentioned for potential head coaching jobs elsewhere. Are uh what's 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 the uh, temperature around this Alabama fan base when it comes to Bill O'Brien? Yeah, not not my own personal beliefs, but uh what the fan base believes, you know, I I think it's uh, pretty much negative for Bill O'Brien right now. I think I think fans feel a little bit better about him now, uh, coming off of coming off of this win at LSU, but coming off of uh, I'm sorry, win at Ole Miss, but coming off of the loss at LSU, there was a lot of talk, um, it, it, just because of the playmakers that this offense has. You know, we still we saw Tyler Harrell for for, for barely anything, for barely any plays um, at Ole Miss in that win. Um, the utilization of Jameer Gibbs has just been very, I guess, interesting for lack of a better word. Um, using him, I mean, obviously you want, you know, he's a phenomenal, you know, pass catcher. But I don't, I, he just hasn't been getting the carries that that we that most fans believe he should be, despite his success on the ground. Um, the, the overwhelming, you know, amount of pass to rush plays, um, a, a seemingly pretty predictable offense. So you know, I, I think that there is still you know a lot on the there's a lot of pressure on Bill O'Brien to perform in these last two to three games here. Um, I, I, you know, I definitely could could see him, you know, moving somewhere else. But at the same time, you know, we've heard Nick Saban say that it's not the time to be making changes. I think that he likes Bill O'Brien as his OC. I think he also trusts Pete Golding at DC as well. Which Alabama's defense has definitely come around this year. There've been a couple or two losses. They obviously struggle, but the rest of their games they've been, you know, pretty um, pretty consistent. So, but as far as Bill O'Brien is concerned, yeah, there's definitely some pressure there from the Alabama fan base, but. Um, you know, maybe a, maybe a finishing out the season with a win will make them forget about it. <laughs> Speaking with Joey Blackwell, Alabama Central, as we always do here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Joey, we saw in this Alabama Ole Miss game, the Rebels went up 10 nothing early in the second quarter, and Alabama, of course, able to respond with a touchdown. Then Ole Miss went up 17-7 to before making it 17-14, did Alabama before the half. What was the response like for this Alabama team all day long where they were crawling and fighting from behind until about the fourth quarter? Yeah, you know, I, I remember pointing out in the first half about how quiet the sideline was energy there has been a problem for the Alabama team every year or sorry every every game this year excuse me um you know this is a team that you know we're used to seeing you know kind of like kind of reflecting Auburn you know jumping up and down on the sidelines showing a lot of energy showing a lot of hype and that just hasn't been the case this year pretty much at all um it's been a pretty pretty lackluster you know sideline energy but this game we really saw that in the second half and I think that was primarily because of just the effectiveness of, of the defense 
Um, we really saw them, you know, kind of come together there at the end. Byron Young, of course, had a huge game, 11 tackles, multiple sacks. Um, you know, had you know made two huge plays on that final drive that forced Ole Miss to uh, have to try to convert on fourth down before Brian Branch broke up the pass. Um, so I think, you know, just overall looking at this team, I think energy has been a problem, but I think that we really saw what this team can do when they actually put a little heart into it, which has been a, a shortcoming this year. But um, hopefully we'll we'll see that moving forward, and hopefully we'll see that, you know, um, against Austin Peay this weekend and against, of course, Auburn and the Iron Bowl, you know, just, just under two weeks. Right, and I think it is noticeable that the lack of energy with the Alabama team on the sideline, even on the field after some plays, has been noticeable. Is that something that is typical for Alabama? Is that a Nick Saban thing, or maybe just something in particular with this year's Alabama squad? I think it's more of a thing with just this year's Alabama squad. You know, I think when Nick Saban is time and time again said that a problem, one of the main problems with this year's team is just they there's a lot of players that are suffering from anxiety and, and, and pressure and stuff that he's never had to really deal with before. Um, I think he's dealt with it as effectively as he can, and hopefully he'll learn from you know, the mistakes of this year's team and, and have a better team next year. But um, I, I think with that, with that level of anxiety, you know, performance, uh, 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 you know, performance anxiety, I think comes with that. You know, maybe a more um, a more quiet attitude on the sidelines, more reserved nature. We've seen that from this team. And, um, there have been some loud guys, you know, like Will Anderson and, and, and Byron Young and, and, and no doubt some of the linemen as well. Um, Jameer Gibbs is another one. But um, overall, that energy hasn't been there. I think it's just a, a season thing. Normally, you know, we were used to seeing Alabama players, you know, kind of go nuts on the sidelines, go nuts in celebration on the field, and that just hasn't been the case this year. Joey, with these with these upcoming two games and seemingly, I guess, the the goals of the season for, for Alabama – kind of off the table, is there a chance that we see some of these guys that are going to be projected very, very high NFL draft picks start to think about their future and maybe opt out of the last couple games of the season? Or do you expect Alabama to be at full strength all the way through uh, the, the the end of the year, through through the Iron Bowl? I think, well, I, I personally expect to see them full strength. First, first and foremost, players under Nick Saban – Historically, haven't done that. They haven't. They haven't um, withdrawn, withdrawn themselves from from the bowl game, from the final games of the season, because they understand how important it is not just to the um, to themselves, but to the team to be out there. Right now, you know, you're if you're a player on this team, you're working, you're on a team that's not going to go to the playoff. You have two losses, um, and so it's if you if you seriously believe that you're going to be a, a highly rated draft pick, it makes sense just to be out there for one final game to try to make an impression. There have been, there's not a single player on this team that hasn't had at least one or two bad games this year. Not necessarily bad games, but low stat games. Even Will Anderson, who you know last year was seemingly unaffected at every single game, he's had a few games this year where he wasn't very effective. So I don't see anybody um, holding out. Now that being said, maybe some players that you know, like a Tyler Harrell, that you know hasn't really contributed this year, you might see somebody like him. But as far as you know, the the regular starters on this team, I don't see anybody standing out now i could be completely wrong i probably will be completely wrong somebody here and there will probably surprise us but um my, my personal opinion is that they'll all be there in the bowl well don't worry joey we'll be the first ones to let you know that you were wrong hey feel free to
to call me out. Tell, tell me I'm wrong. I like <laughs> Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. He joins us every Monday talking the Alabama Crimson Tide. Talking about their uh, SEC championship hopes are gone because the SEC championship is set with Georgia and LSU. Of course, it's uh, uncharted territory for Alabama to not be in Atlanta. Uh, what do you think about this Georgia-LSU matchup for the SEC championship? I think the Tigers had better come ready. <laughs> um, I think that this is a really, really good Georgia team that a lot of people had some question marks around, and even as far as halfway through the season. But I think that, you know, when they played Tennessee, I think that really kind of showed everybody just how good they really are. Sorry, my parktronic went off my car there for a second. Um, <laughs> I think this is an incredibly good Georgia team. I think this is a solid LSU team. Um, I got to give the edge to the Bulldogs, but obviously we still have a couple of weeks left before we get there. Um, I LSU is definitely a good team, and what a remarkable season for Brian Kelly and his team in his first year there. What a turnaround! Um, you know, I think a lot of people that root for the underdog will be rooting for LSU. But that being said, I Georgia is just everybody thought there'd be a drop off from them this year, and they really this team honestly looks almost better. Maybe a little bit drop, maybe a little bit of a drop off on defense, but they replaced so many good players and, and are pretty much the team to beat right now. Joey, Alabama basketball has uh, kind of switching gears here. They've gotten off to a pretty good start yep. here. A couple dominant wins over Longwood and Liberty. They've got a, uh, a I would say, a decent road test uh, tomorrow night. Or, or is it? To, yeah, it, it, it is tomorrow night against South Alabama. Yep. How do you see that uh, shaking out? And then how how what have you seen out of this team so far? How have they looked through? two games and their uh, exhibition game. Yeah, you know, this is a this is a really good Alabama team that looks to be very much improved. Uh, they replaced a lot of players. You know, they have eight new guys between the freshmen and the transfers, but this is looking to be a really good team. You know, your freshman Brandon Miller, who, you know, started both of his games, you know, as, as averaging around 30 minutes a game, but is also averaging 17 points per game through their first two. He's looking really solid. You have Marcus, Mark Sears at point who's also averaging 17 points a game. Um, he's also uh, just remarkable from the from the free throw line and remarkable from beyond three against uh, this, uh, this past Friday. Um, I think there's just too many players for me to specifically point at because they've all played really well in these first couple of games. But regarding South Alabama, this is a very decent South Alabama team. This is a team that Alabama just barely beat in Coleman Coliseum last year. They only beat him by five points, and South Alabama was surging there near the end. Um don't don't count out the Jaguars. They also have a really good um, a really good home court presence. Um, they're one and one to start the year, but that you know records this earlier don't really mean much because you're still having to kind of find your find your team and um, and gel. And the Jaguars are really really solid. Um, this will definitely be a, a good win for Alabama um, if they're able to pull it off, which I, I think they will. Um, and I, I I have a, there's a lot of Alabama fans. I have a lot of high hopes for this basketball team this year, and I, I think they're very well well founded um i really like what i've seen so far i know i mentioned the off the offense earlier but their defense is just as impressive um so i i hope to see you know where this team can can go hopefully you know if you're not Alabama fan but Alabama fans are hoping that they'll repeat the success they had a couple of years ago well, there's no doubt they are a top five team in the SEC with lots to uh, lots to prove this year in in basketball. Speaking with Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, he joins us every Monday here on On the Line. Man, we appreciate you and your time as always. Uh, we let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you're doing with Bama Central. 
Absolutely. Everybody can follow me on Twitter at Blackwell Sports. Find all my writing as well as my fellow writers at BamaCentral.com. Uh, everybody needs to start heading over there now. It's just two weeks from the Iron Bowl. So we'll have plenty of Iron Bowl coverage over there for, uh, regarding both the Tide and the Tigers. And uh, thank you guys so much for having me on. Yes, sir. We'll talk to you next week for Iron Bowl week. It's crazy that it's here, man. We'll talk to you next week. That is Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. Again, he joins us every Monday at 2.30. We appreciate him and his time telling us everything we need to know about the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up our number one here on the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Big thank you to Joey Blackwell. He joins us every Monday talking the Alabama Crimson Tide, and he writes for BamaCentral.com. With the Iron Bowl coming up, I highly recommend you go over and read his work, and everybody over at Bama Central, they do a great job uh, telling you everything you need to know about Alabama uh, and get you ready for the Iron Bowl next week. But as we wrap up this first hour, how about Auburn basketball Friday night we'll talk a little college basketball for the next few minutes as we wrap up this first hour look they beat South Florida on Friday Uh, I know that sort of takes kind of goes to the back burner with Auburn football winning on Saturday but Auburn basketball did play on Friday I was there Uh, you want to talk about another game that you won but wasn't pretty how about Auburn basketball on Friday man they uh, again they win it wasn't pretty but they did win the 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 problems still remain with this Auburn team they're going to be good okay defensively they're great I mean this is a fantastic defensive basketball team for Auburn but you can't overlook the shooting woes and it's not just from three it's just shooting in general they beat South Florida 67 to 59 they were favored by 20 that didn't happen and your leading scorer was Wendell Green with 20 points. You know who was right behind him, though, was Alan Flanagan. He was right Alan there Flanagan behind him. Played, played very well. He Honestly, did play well. I didn't even think I realized that that Wendell scored that many points. Well, uh, he Alan was the leading was, scorer until the very end when Wendell hit some free throws to Wendell, take him Wendell above. Wendell did get to the line 11 times, which is more than anybody else on the team. I mean, four more than, than Jani Broom with seven attempts at the line. But, uh, yeah, Auburn – shot i believe what 21 percent in the first half if i if i mm-hmm. uh yeah actually, they did it was it's 25 percent in the first half. okay six of 24 they they hit some shots i guess at the very end there were two of 14 from three in the first half yeah and uh there was seven of 13 from the line more of that cold shooting that we have seen second half you come to life a little bit 53 percent uh 53.6 you're 27 percent from three and you're shoot your free throws at least a little bit better at 68%. Sheesh. Yeah, it was definitely a tale of two halves. Uh, The first half, it seemed like Auburn was just not very motivated. It's not the word, but very low energy, right? I mean, it just seemed like they were just kind of going with the motions, maybe not fully ready to play the game. And then the second half was, uh, it looked like a completely different mindset, a completely different team. They come out and, like you said, they shoot over 50% in the second half. Uh, They played a lot better. They took good shots. Uh, They forced a lot of turnovers. So, I mean, overall, 
They played a lot better in the second half. Now, they did still have 20 turnovers for the game. South Florida had 17. Uh, Auburn, uh, for the game, they shot 40% from the field. They shot 20% from three. And they shot 62% from the free throw line. So, those are not good percentages, okay? They're just not. Not at, not at all. But here is the one positive that I can take away from this is even with those low shooting percentages, the 40% from the field and 20% from three, they took good shots. And mm-hmm. I think that's what is different so far already just in two games from this year's team versus last year's team is last year you saw a lot of bad shots now a lot of those shots were good shots because it was Jabari Smith taking them but you saw a lot of step back between the leg threes from Katie Johnson from Alan Flanagan you saw a lot of floaters you saw a lot of wild shots from a lot of the guards right this year you're not seeing that as much through two games so is Auburn making a lot of their shots no but they're taking good ones and the hope is is that you continue to take these good shots you continue to run the offense they're still not running it how I would do it but that's why I'm not the coach eventually they're going to start making them is the hope right if you continue to do the right things and run your offense and take good shots eventually they will fall I don't know if that's going to happen. I hope so, and I think it can, but Auburn's got to find a way to make some baskets because shooting 40% and only scoring 67 points, that's not going to get it done in the SEC. It's not going to get it done in March. Now, your defense did exactly what they needed to do. You held South Florida to 59 points. They shoot 35%, 14% from three, and 52% from the free throw line, and you force 17 turnovers. So, defensively, You're doing just fine. Auburn had seven blocks also, so you can add that to the defensive numbers, but you got to make shots, man. We'll see how it goes for Auburn basketball. They're 2-0 to start the 2022 season. Hour number one officially in the books. A lot more college football talk when we come back. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Open Like a Sports Leader. Happy Monday. Hope you're all doing well on this beautiful Monday afternoon here in the Auburn Open Like area. Hope you all had a good weekend. There's a lot to talk about, a lot to discuss, and we've gotten off to a good start in hour number one, but that is officially in the books. You know what that means. Hour number two officially underway here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and find the podcast. Just search on the line wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to ESPNAU.com. Click on the podcast center. You can find it commercial-free right after the show, so be sure you go and do that. 
We talked to Joey Blackwell of Bama Central, as we always do on Mondays. Uh, he talked to us about the Alabama Crimson Tide, uh, the football team uh, defeating Ole Miss on Saturday. We also talked to him about Alabama basketball as they are 2-0 and and getting ready for a trip to South Alabama, where, by the way, remember Auburn went to South Alabama a couple years ago, and it took a buzzer beater to to beat South Alabama on the road so a tough program tough out always is South Alabama so they will play tomorrow night but that's all in hour number one hour number two is here and we'll talk to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network at 3 30 get his thoughts on Auburn football defeating Texas A&M on Saturday also get his thoughts about Auburn basketball getting their win against South Florida on Friday as they get ready for another week of games. We'd love to hear from you here in this second hour. 334-321-1390. First, we've got some business to take care of. Uh, week let's see, week 11 of the SEC Football Challenge on ESPNAU.com. It's all brought to you by the Orthopedic Clinic, Buffalo Rock Pepsi, Johnny Brusco's Pizza, and Wickles Pickles. We have a repeat winner, and not just a repeat winner, we have a back-to-back winner in week 11 of the ESPN SEC Football Challenge. Flip Bobbles from Auburn, he is... Your winner again here in week 11. He wins a $25 Johnny Brusco's gift card and a 12-pack of Pepsi. Uh, it's all brought to you by Johnny Brusco's and Pepsi this week. He went 6 of 7 in a sort of a weird week around the SEC. So congratulations to Flint. He is back-to-back winners in the SEC football challenge. That is still open. You've got a couple of weeks to go. So be sure you get your picks in uh, to win a prize every single week. And we are just a few weeks away from giving away that 50-inch 4K Ultra HD Smart TV. So excited to be able to do that as well. Also, high school football, both programs that we cover moving on in the state playoffs. Of course, Lee Scott, we talked about it on Friday. Lee Scott Academy will be playing in the state championship game for AISA. That'll be on Thursday. And so Carter and I will be going and calling that on Thursday in Montgomery at the Crampton Bowl. So we're excited to go and do that. Lee Scott Academy defeated Valiant Cross on Thursday. So we will play Glenwood on Thursday night. Uh, Lee Scott's rival, uh, the team that played Lee Scott the closest all season long, they get a rematch on Thursday at the Crampton Bowl. And then Auburn High School, they beat Dothan last Friday night. So they will go on the road for the semifinals and play Central Phoenix City on Friday night over on Wings 94-3. Lee Scott will be on AU 100. That's 100.3. So we're all very excited as high school football rolls on. Both of our teams here from Auburn Network that we cover uh, moving on in the playoffs. So now that that's all taken care of, we'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Carter, Auburn defeats Texas A&M on Saturday. Was it pretty? Was it the best thing we've ever seen? Atmosphere was great. Coach Cadillac gets his first win as interim head coach. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's what what a great moment for him. I can't help but, but feel, feel happy for him because of the fact that this is a moment that he deserved. I mean, with the way the leadership that he has shown, how he has, um, I guess, risen to the occasion here. And I, and I made that point on after the game is, I'm not saying by any means Cadillac Williams was an immature coach before he he got this job, but I do think he has matured miles and miles over the last two weeks, and and I think he has positioned himself to um, make an impact on 
make an even bigger impact moving forward on whatever staff he's on, whatever role he has. And, I mean, think about it right now. If he were to come back uh, at Auburn as the running backs coach, is there a more recognizable running backs coach in America right now than Cadillac Williams? I don't think so. I think everybody knows, if you pay attention to college football, right, everybody knows who Cadillac Williams is, and everybody knows what he's doing at Auburn right now, and everybody saw that he got that win on Saturday. Do, do people really care about a 3-6 and six Auburn team playing a 3-6 and six A&M team? No, not really. But there was a lot of storylines going into this game on Saturday. Of course, head coach or interim head coach, Cadillac Williams, looking for his first win, his first home game as interim head coach. You had Jimbo Fisher, who has lost almost every game they've played. They're on a huge slide right now going into that game. They lose another one. So his, his seat is on fire. So those two storylines were big enough for most people in the country to at least care or at least tune in a little bit to what Auburn did on Saturday. Dude, I, I promise you, sorry, <laughs> I'm reading Colby Wooden's quote uh, on the, the Auburn Observer article that, that Justin Ferguson wrote where he said, I can beat this, this dude, but uh, this game was so enormous and there's a stat that I believe Justin Ferguson did have on Twitter uh, after the game Cadillac Williams makes $350,000 a year Jimbo Fisher got paid $750,000 for that game and he lost yeah (laughs) and he lost that's the difference right there and and look we've talked about it we all know the amount of talent that is on this Texas A&M team right it's the fourth most talented team in the country not the SEC in the country and yet they are scrounging for four wins they're about to go four and eight this year is Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher there's a good chance He's not the head coach at Texas A&M next year. I mean, oh look, I get that $85 million is I a just, lot I don't of money. Think it's, I don't think it's possible from a public perception. I don't think it is. I, I, I think what, to had, fire him or to, pay, or to keep him? To, to, to fire him. I don't think, I don't think p- public perception, if they kept him, uh, whatever. People are like, oh, okay, like he's on the hot seat next year. But to fire him, you are breaking the scale for coach buyouts. Right now, the the top end of the scale, the maximum, is $21 million with Gus Malzahn. And you're going to have to pay four times that to get rid of Jimbo Fisher. It's not going to happen. I know they have the money to do it. I don't... They would become such a laughing stock nationally for that. I think that they're going to make him make significant changes on his staff. I think they are going to make him go get an offensive coordinator. And they're going to tell him, hands off, right? I think you're absolutely right. That is obviously the the more common sense decision, right? Rather than saying, well, let's just pay him $85 million and go find another guy. Because believe it or not, $85 million is not pocket change. I don't know how much you guys are making, but that's not really pocket change to me. And so... To pay somebody $85 million to say, hey, get out of town and don't work here anymore is ridiculous. And I think you're right. I think that is probably the more uh, likely scenario is they're going to go to Jimbo and say, look, whatever you're doing, 
it ain't working. Some things got to change. Obviously, you calling plays, not working. Whoever you're hiring, not working. Whatever you're running, not working. So things got to change or else we are going to fire you. So figure it out. You're recruiting great. Yeah, I mean, keep doing what you're doing there. But you're not doing anything with those recruits. And so, sure, that's definitely the the more likely scenario is a Texas A&M goes to Jimbo and says, things got to change or you are going to get fired rather than just stroking an $85 million check. There's no doubt about it. But as we talked about, Auburn wins on Saturday. They get head coach Cadillac Williams his first win. It was at Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium. 87,000 fans were ready to go, loud, proud, and just really enjoyed the game. I did. I know everybody else did as well. It was an absolute blast, and it was so cool just to see and hear what Cadillac had to say about the opportunity because you can tell – He's not just talking, right? This is not just a head coach talking that he's, oh, I'm, you know, I'm very thankful for this opportunity. No, I don't. This is not that. This means everything to Cadillac Williams for what he's able to do and the opportunity that he's getting right now at Auburn. Yeah, and I, and and he's so grateful, and he's done such a good job handling it, and it was such an emotional moment to have his former teammates and other Auburn lettermen back to this weekend to experience what was going on around this program and the the way that they have rallied together the bringing back of the interlocked arms coming out of the the locker room the, that was such a good interview with Cole Kublik right there before they ran on the field singing the fight song in the in the in, in the locker room the way that they are now I mean that and then you have even more so having Cole Kublik on the mic a former Auburn player, I think that added to it. At the post-game interview, Cole Kublik handled it perfectly in terms of how to properly capture that moment, capture the emotion, and and point out all of the factors at play and let it all resonate with Cadillac Williams. I thought that was a phenomenal moment. Because somebody like Cadillac and somebody like Cole Kublik they understand. They know what it means to play for Auburn and be an Auburn man and be a part of the Auburn family. Somebody like Brian Harson never got it. They never understood it. He could tell maybe that, sure, this was an important place and sure, maybe singing the, the, the fight song or whatever, but somebody like him from the outside, you don't get it. And a guy like Cadillac Williams gets it more than anybody ever will. Because he played there, he's now been coaching there, he is now the coach there for the next three weeks. And nobody will get it more than somebody like him. And so it was super, super cool to see that pregame interview as they're locked arms running on the field, to see his postgame interview, his postgame press conference, videos, everything like that. We knew it was going to be something like this coming into the week. We knew the atmosphere was going to be good. We knew the support was already there Mm -hmm. for Cadillac. And everybody showed it on Saturday. So that is what makes Auburn so special is something like that where everybody feels great. This is a four-win team and everybody's feeling really good right now about Auburn and who has taken over and really just gotten Auburn and getting Auburn through this crazy time as a program. Yeah, absolutely. And and, uh, it is interesting to me just, just watching how things have played out with Cadillac. I mean, 
how he's handled these last two weeks, I think, has catapulted him into rock star status with not only in Auburn, but in the coaching community, I would imagine, because of of how well he's handled it, the leadership he's shown. The the way that he's he's recruiting better than yeah. Brian Harson did yeah. before. Like he's he's doing everything Brian Harson didn't do. He's holding the players accountable. He's making them go to class. All of that. He he had a blueprint for what not to do. <laughs> I mean, when you really look at it, he had a blueprint of what not to do and how to not do things. And I think it's really really cool to think about this aspect of it. Is that obviously we are young, right? I mean, you and I are younger and. We know who Cadillac Williams is, and we have seen everything there is to see about Cadillac Williams and his playing days at Auburn, and now we get to see the coaching side, and a lot of our listeners have seen Cadillac play in in all levels and now are seeing him coach. Think about that young generation right now that are watching Auburn football that never got to see or don't even possibly know who Cadillac Williams is. And now they are seeing him come in and they're seeing the love and seeing the support for a guy like this who is already an Auburn legend, but they get to see somebody reborn as an Auburn legend in a different light. I think that is so, so cool to think about the two different lights and the two different forms that he is becoming within this Auburn football program. I just think that's super cool. Yeah, I mean, this is such a unique, special time in the Auburn, I guess, community, in the Auburn family, because I can't recall the last time uh, that a true Auburn man held the, the, the position, like somebody who went to Auburn, somebody who was a legend at Auburn, somebody, I mean, this this is such a unique instance, and not many places... I think can can look at what's happening right now and kind of relate to it. I guess you've got um, what's going on at uh, I think Mickey Joseph at Nebraska. He was a legend there, but it hasn't gone as well as what we've seen with Cadillac Williams. Cadillac Williams has gotten more fight out of his team in two weeks than Brian Harson did in a year and a half, and. He's done and said everything right, and it's been so impressive, and I credit him. Like, we, Cadillac Williams should never have to buy a meal or a drink ever again in the city of Auburn because of what he's done for Auburn over the last two weeks. I agree, and you notice how you said that. Cadillac has said and done everything right not just said he's done everything right as well something that Auburn desperately needed in this just crazy crazy time of the Auburn football program we are off and running here in hour number two we'd love to hear from you though 334-321-1390 we didn't get to it in the first hour we will hear coming up question of the day what was the biggest result in college football over the weekend we'll talk about it here on the other side hour number two of on the line continues next On the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 1067. Auburn up like a sports leader. What was the biggest result in college football over the weekend, 334-321-1390. We'd love to hear from you. There were some 
some big games. There were some big results. Uh, lots. There were a couple of blowouts. There were a couple of really close fights uh, around college football. Carter, the biggest result, though, in college football on Saturday. Oh, it's Oregon going down to Washington. It has to be. That game was awesome, by the way, if you watched it. Washington just hung in there, hung in there, hung in there. Got a couple key stops. The the fourth and one where Oregon got lined up in the shotgun with Ty Thompson in the game because Bo Nix was out at that moment. And they hand it off to the running back and he slips. Turns out to be the pivotal moment. I don't hate the call to go for it because Washington was was averaging nine yards per play. By the way, Penix tried his hardest in a few spots there to give that game away. Yes, he did. He threw one of the worst yes, he picks on the goal line I've ever seen. And uh, but but he did enough. He did enough to win this game. Number twenty five, Washington goes on the road and beats number six, Oregon. Uh, that pretty much wraps up the chances of Oregon making the college football playoff. I'm going with TCU at Texas. Uh, I think this was a game where TCU needed to prove something. They needed to show that they could beat a starting quarterback and they could beat a decent team in the conference, and they did. They go on the road and they beat Texas 17-0 or 17-10. Excuse me. Uh, this wasn't the sexiest game you're ever going to see from a top four team, but they go on the road and they beat Texas. Right? It was scoreless after the first. It was 3-0 at halftime, and then TCU sort of handles business. And uh, Ewers had not such a good day for Texas. He went 17 of 39 with 171 yards and a pick. We've seen him be really, really inconsistent this year. But TCU's defense showed up to play, and they made him struggle on Saturday. So TCU wins. They keep their college football playoff hopes alive. And with Oregon losing... Now it really starts to get interesting with what's going to happen with the college football playoff. And we'll talk more about this this week, but I do want to sort of just look at what is going on because you look at TCU, they've got Baylor and Iowa State. Two games that they will be favored in, two games that they should win. At, two at, games that they very easily could lose, though. They could. They very easily could lose, which would they've make been, it even been, more interesting. They've been playing with fire all year long. They've been beating a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Heck, against K-State, a backup quarterback started the game, got hurt, and they beat. They came back and beat the third stringer. But uh, this, this TCU team, it's a big win for them to stay alive in the playoff hunt. But I think the biggest story coming out of this weekend is the Pac-12 has one team left. One team, and that's USC. USC has to run the table, otherwise the Pac-12 is dead. They are, and of course they win on Friday. Uh, they beat Colorado. It wasn't a pretty game. Uh, they end up going for a fake PAT to get a two-point conversion to just say they could, I guess, because I don't know, because it's USC, I guess. And you're right, USC is the only team in the Pac-12 that can save their college football playoff chances because they play on the road at UCLA and then they play Notre Dame. If they win those two games, they will be 9-1, and one, right? Their only loss being on the road at Utah. But I'm going to be honest with you, Carter. Even if USC runs the table, I don't know what their chances are of getting in just because it hasn't been 
that impressive of a year from them so far. Oregon was a different story, and I feel like there were two different feelings between if Oregon were to run the table versus if USC were to run the table, right? And of course, Oregon's only loss was to Georgia, but I think there are just two different feelings with those two teams, and now with it being USC, I think the argument for another SEC squad or even the other Big Ten team to get in has grown significantly. That's fair. I know that USC has lost their only ranked matchup this year, but they do have a chance here to finish with UCLA, a rivalry game. I know it's at UCLA, so other side of town, but there's going to be like 170 people there, so what's (laughs) up? That's awesome. Neutral site, baby. Um, (laughs) And then... You get Notre Dame. Two ranked wins to finish the year. Then, in theory, you're going to go play in the Pac-12 championship game against another ranked team. Potentially, could still be Oregon, or it could be Utah. They could get revenge for that loss. And that's where I think if it's if it's Utah and they get that win back, then you've avenged your only loss. I think that at that point, the case starts to have some merit. But right now, absolutely, they have not beaten a ranked team. So I would have a hard time as it stands. But if they finish with three straight wins over ranked teams and then get that a win against the team they lost to earlier in the year, that may push them in squarely into the conversation and for that fourth or fifth spot. I know fifth is on the outside looking in, but they will be in that conversation, especially when you see if you see uh, LSU lose in the SEC championship game or you see um, something happen in in the Big 12 with TCU falling apart down the stretch, then it becomes very, very, very real. Tennessee is feeling very good about where they sit this weekend. And coming into this week, of course, their schedule is uh, just terrible down the stretch. They've got two easy, easy games. They should win very, very easily. And... They're sitting in the spot that Alabama was just a couple of years ago. They're going to have a great record. They're going to have one loss to Georgia. They're not going to play in the SEC championship game, and they've got a really good chance to make a college football playoff because of Oregon losing, because of Ohio State and Michigan having to play each other. And if USC loses one, if TCU loses one, if LSU beats Georgia, there's a lot of opportunity for Tennessee to squeeze in somewhere. And what about LSU? Not that I think they're going to beat Georgia, but what if they do, right? Then they have an argument to get into the college football playoff. Georgia would still have their argument to get into the college football playoff. We've talked about Ohio State and Michigan. When those two teams play, if it comes down to a final field goal overtime, if it's Michigan that beats Ohio State, we've talked about how that would have a better chance for both of those teams to make it rather than Ohio State beating Michigan there's still a lot to be solved over the next couple of weeks yeah I think that that what's going to be very interesting is what happens in the Big Ten with Mm -hmm. with those two teams especially I mean I know it's not in the playoff discussion but the Big Ten West is a disaster right now and it's almost fun to watch it's like the only team that I think is completely out of it is Northwestern at this point uh, but in the Big Ten East, I'm not sure those teams, the loser of the Ohio State-Michigan team has a strong enough, or game has a strong enough case to make the playoff. I especially agree. if it's Michigan. Especially if it's Michigan, because that non-conference schedule is really, really bad. Right, and that's sort of what we talked about, was if Ohio State beats Michigan, Michigan's out. 
if Michigan beats Ohio State, the Buckeyes may be able to make an argument, but I just don't think so. It's going to get crazy. We're going to talk about that more as the week and the season goes on. We've got to get to a break. We'll have Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He'll join us on the other side. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Monday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. Jacob Goins, Carter Bird with you on ESPN 106.7, the Auburn Opelika sports leader. Welcoming in our Monday second hour guest, it's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. Jacob, it's a lot more positive around this town on this Monday. I'm not sure why, but there's a lot of positivity going on. Well, you know, there's a lot going on in the Auburn sports realm, but, you know, overall, yeah, I think things are uh, turning in a positive direction right now, and it, the vibes are high. That's, that's all I can say. The vibes are high. Of course, we'll talk some Auburn football to get started. The Tigers, they beat Texas A&M 13-10 on Saturday. Coach Cadillac, as the interim head coach, gets his first win. It was a packed house in Jordan-Hare Stadium. It was a little chilly, but that didn't stop the fans. It was a packed house. They were ready to go. What are your takeaways from Auburn's 13-10 win over Texas A&M on Saturday? Well, yeah, the first thing is the support that the Auburn family showed and and really, another thing is the support that uh, Carnell Williams' former teammates showed uh, mm-hmm. in showing out in force uh, to, to support him as in his first home game as interim head coach. And, and really, it just showed throughout the game. Even though it was cold, a, a good majority of that crowd stuck around for the ending. And, and man, it, it was just a blast to be a part of it and see that atmosphere and, and, and just feel the energy from from – the crowd, the team, the coaches, everyone that was a part of that, just just feeling that energy and, and really getting to live that. Uh, it, it's just been so long since since we felt that. Even that Penn State game with, had really felt nothing like what we felt on Saturday. I mean, as, as probably since November 2019, that Alabama game, and that's probably the last time uh, that kind of energy was felt at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Jacob, this this win felt like it was absolutely uh, driven by the running backs room, which I guess shouldn't really come as a uh, surprise because of the, the head coach being the former running backs coach. But Tank Bigsby, 121 yards on 23 carries. Jarquez Hunter, 121 yards on 13 carries. What can you say about that room, how those guys performed? And I know like a Demario Austin didn't really touch the ball that much, but he did have an enormous block uh, that sprung Jarquez Hunter for a big play. What can you say about that room and how they played on Saturday? Well, one, I'll start with something that Coach Cadillac mentioned in his press conference today. You know, it was asked about the the three to one run to pass ratio, and what he says, I want to get back to that old school Auburn football that uh, that he knows that we know good and well. I mean, remember that streak of one thousand yards rushers that Auburn had for. For several years last decade, uh, Gus Malzahn contributed to that running game uh, being so strong uh, when he was head coach. And, and and Coach Williams is looking to get back towards that. And and like you said, Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter with the, uh, had the same total yardage uh, rushing with 121. And that's only Hunter's third career rushing game. And it's the first one since week two of last year. 
So it, it just shows how much focus is being put on the on the running game, and and that it, that it's proving successful. The offensive line just feels like it's it, it's getting better as every week goes on. And and there were guys going down on the O line this past weekend. Uh, Brandon Council, uh, he had a bit of an injury. He he should be okay, but uh, he went down a couple times, and they were having to rotate the offensive line some, and, and it was still proving to be successful. So it, it was really nice to see uh, that, especially when. Robbie Asher was struggling to throw the football a little bit, man. The wind out there was was really strong. I mean, we, you could feel if you were on the east side or the south side of the stadium, you could really feel uh, that wind strong, and and it, it it was something that I think that Asher struggled with a little bit. And uh, you know, he obviously hasn't been the strongest passer all season, but. With that win, it was really tough for him to get things going and, and, and build some confidence. Because I think that Jarquez Hunter, uh, he almost had like a 67-yard touchdown pass uh, that if Ashford just put a little more air under or, or throwing a little softer, I think uh, Hunter strolls into the end zone easily, and, and that crowd is on fire even more. So I, I was really impressed with the running game and, and, and really just focusing in on the running backs. But I mean, Robbie Ashford had more carries than Jarquez Hunter, so it's nice to see really everyone getting involved there. Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, of course, working for the Auburn Sports Network, you have the chance to uh, to interact with Coach Cadillac Williams, obviously with Tiger Take or Tiger Talks, excuse me. And on Thursday over at Bomb Howard, you guys have that chance to speak with him on the radio and uh, you know talking with him throughout the week and post game and all of that stuff. You could tell coming into the game on Saturday how much it meant for him to have this opportunity, but then after the win, you could just feel his appreciation appreciation his love and his dedication to Auburn and this Auburn football program and, and I'll start with actually Tiger Talk last week and, and I haven't been going to Tiger Talks as long as the likes of Andy Burcham or Brad Law but they said it's something they had never seen before at a Tiger Talk the kind of energy that those in attendance brought and and just showing the support for Coach Cadillac going into his first home game as interim head coach but it, like he said after the game when he was uh going to uh, uh, show his thanks to the students and the fans uh, for their support and just just I mean you could tell how how much it meant to him uh, him just running around the field just the happiest can be and and emotional then he gets into the locker room and yeah you know it, it was interesting it, it was just it it wasn't this outburst of celebration it, it was a very down-to-earth you know they were so happy just to get that win under their belts and giving him the game ball. He talked about in his press conference that it, that's something he's going to keep. He didn't keep a lot of the accolades and trophies from his playing days, but now that he's got sons and, and this just means so much to him, he, he said he's going to keep that game ball. And, you know, it, it just shows how much this weekend meant to him. With with the way that the Auburn fan base showed up and showed out, how much do you think that that meant to these players that have been through so much and now with their with their interim coach Cadillac Williams, the way that the fan base has has kind of been galvanized, how do you think the 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 team took that that performance by the crowd on Saturday? It meant everything to them because they were they were very bought into Coach Cadillac's vision and 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 his motivation and everything that he was giving them: serve, discipline, believe. They they were bought into that they, and they and they loved that, but it was a matter of what is that support going to look like against Texas A and M and the Auburn family brought it and the, those players 
you could tell also, like like Coach Cadillac, they were in the stands with, with, with their classmates, swag surfing. It, it was just a beautiful sight to see, especially after a five-game losing streak. And, you know, I, I just, it's just, it just shows that, like, like Coach Williams said it, it, it post-game, he said, Auburn football ain't dead. He said, it's going to be all right. And, and, and that, that was the proof right there, what everyone saw on SEC Network and, and just the quotes from Coach Williams, the players after the game. They, they were just so relieved to get that win and really build some momentum going forward. Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network here on the Monday edition of On the Line. Before, or I guess obviously, hopefully next week, we will get the chance to talk to you about the Iron Bowl coming up in Tuscaloosa. But this weekend, Auburn's got their final home game of the 2022 season. They've got Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers, coming to Jordan-Hare Stadium, 3 o'clock Central Time on Saturday. What's the, the mindset coming into this game? How are we feeling about Western Kentucky on Saturday where the spread is only Auburn minus five and a half so Auburn's not getting a ton of points here no that is very definitely a very interesting thing to look at because this is a stronger group of five team that uh, I think what 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 the odds makers are looking at is how strong the offense is for the Hilltoppers I mean they had a 73 nothing win against FIU not that FIU is a strong program this year but you know they, they can put up a lot of points and, and you know just looking through that's all you gotta do is look at their schedule you see they scored uh, about 30 points in almost every game other than their losses. So, you know, that that's going to be the big thing for this Auburn defense. The last two weeks have been really strong, coming off some, some rough performances at Ole Miss and against Arkansas. Uh, since then, the defense has really shored things up, especially uh, as it relates to tackling. And uh, I think the pass defense is going to be tested this weekend while the rush defense was tested this past weekend. So if the defensive line continues to get pressure like it did against Texas A&M, then I think you're gonna you're gonna see a strong performance from Auburn and and, and probably a, in a decent winning margin. But you allow them to hit some big passes here and there, and the offense could have some pressure on them to make sure they keep scoring. Talking about that defensive line, we've seen them step up here the past couple of weeks. Specifically, Colby Wooden. What kind of an impact has has that senior leadership? Those veteran guys on the D line. Have they had and their ability to kind of, in two separate weeks, they've they've helped jumpstart Auburn in in spots where maybe they were losing momentum or didn't have any mo- momentum to begin with. Right. Yes. Yeah. Starting with Wooden because of, he won the SEC co-defensive lineman of the week or maybe just defensive lineman of the week. He really, since he moved to the outside due to the Aculeota injury, he's really just everything's just come together for him. It seems like and. And this week, he only had one tackle, but he also had the most important play of the game. I, I, I feel like, you know, getting that forced fumble that Auburn turned into a field goal to take a 10-point lead just before A&M finally got something going uh, on the offensive end on that on their last drive. It, it was really, really good to see him uh, uh, get that and get that big play. Another thing is I feel like the defensive line rotation, has. there's more guys rotating in and out. Marquise Burch and Morris Joseph Jr., I feel like they played more than they played all season long uh, on Saturday. And it was really nice to see Hall and, and Harris and, and, and other guys have fresh legs and, and really continue to make an impact into the fourth quarter where it seems like sometimes, some games, uh, those guys had kind of lost a little bit of their, uh, of their burst uh, in the fourth quarter of games. 
Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line. Let's talk some basketball a little bit because Auburn basketball now 2-0 on the season. They had a game on Friday night against South Florida. Not the best offensive performance we've seen from an Auburn basketball team, but they do get the win against South Florida. They start the season 2-0. What did you see Friday night? Well, I think, first of all, I think USF was a really good test. It's the same deal as last year. I just Auburn struggled against uh, this Bulls team last year, obviously, on the road and uh, this year at home. But it, I think USF did a really good job at guarding the inside-out passing for Auburn that Auburn, the Tigers were really focusing on. But overall, I, I was okay with the game. You, know, you start off down nine at halftime, but you come out in the second half and, and the offense comes alive for 46 points. And uh, and that, that's, that'll do it for you in most games if you score 46 points and a half. But obviously the 21 in the first half, the slow start, that's not what you want to see. What I was really impressed by was Alan Flanagan coming out, scoring 18 points off the bench. Uh, he, he had five turnovers, so that's still a bit of a concern, but he did have the ball a bit more because of the hot hand he had. The three-point shooting is what was on for him. So if he continues to do that and, and turn the ball over a little bit less, uh, it'll be interesting to see what kind of lineup changes we see, especially with the return of Chance Westry. Hopefully this week, Coach Bruce Pearl said he could play uh, 10 to 15 minutes tomorrow, but uh, if not, he I would imagine he's for sure back by Friday. And then looking around Auburn Athletics in general, because like we've talked about, the fall sports coming uh, to the, the end of their season, winter sports obviously getting underway. What else is going around Auburn Athletics that the fans should know about? Yeah, Auburn Volleyball got a big win on the road at Ole Miss. They have 10 SEC wins this season, the most since 2015. So a big leap for that program with three matches remaining. Uh, I think about an 11-day break, and they, uh, they'll, they'll travel to uh, travel somewhere and then come home Iron Bowl weekend and host Arkansas. So if you're not making the trip to Tuscaloosa, be in Neville Arena um, on November 25th and 26th to watch Auburn Volleyball close out its season. Women's basketball started off. A strong 2-0, and obviously one of those games, or both of them deal, dealing with illness. illness. Romy Levy, Precious Johnson missed the first two games. Coach Jay missed the second game. And Wednesday is a big game against Georgia Tech at uh, Neville Arena. So uh, that was one of the biggest wins of the season last year until uh, Auburn knocked down number four Tennessee. So we'll see if Georgia Tech has revenge on its mind on Wednesday. And as you said, it's just an exciting time around Auburn Athletic Club. Auburn men's cross country is sending junior Ryan Kanon to the NCAA championships. I think he's the first qualifier in a little while. And equestrian knocked down uh, number five Texas A&M on Friday. It, it's just it, things, things, the vibes are high, like I said, to start off the interview. So it, it's a great time around Auburn athletics. No doubt about it, man. Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. We appreciate you and your time. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything going on with the Auburn Sports Network. Yeah, it's a busy week this week like it was last week. We're, we're fully in crossover season now, so follow me on Twitter at Jacob Holman AU. Men's basketball tomorrow and Friday. Football Saturday. Tiger Talk Thursday. Women's basketball Wednesday. I mean, you, you, where else would you want to be than Auburn, Alabama this week? So uh, uh, it, it's an exciting time here on the Plains. Man, you guys do a great job. Enjoy the week and uh, try to get some sleep if you can. We'll talk to you next week about the Iron Bowl, all right? Uh, I'm certainly trying. I'll talk to y'all next week. (laughs) Sounds good. That's Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday here on On the Line. Let's get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap up this Monday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. 
Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Monday edition of On the Line, Jacob Goins, Carter Bird. Big thank you to Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network. He joins us every Monday. We just got off the phone with him, uh, telling us everything about Auburn's win over Texas A&M. For football, Auburn's win over USF on Friday in basketball. And everything else going on in Auburn Athletics. So we appreciate him coming on. Also, we appreciate Joey Blackwell of Bama Central. He came on in the first hour telling us everything about Alabama. So if you missed any of today's show, it's been a good one. Be sure you go and find the podcast commercial-free right after the show, ESPNAU.com. Carter, both of our NFL teams got the win over the weekend, huh? Yeah, my my coach for my NFL team, Jeff Saturday, <laughs> who never had any experience ever, now has 50% of the wins that Urban Meyer had in the NFL. Wow, what a stat. <laughs> wow, what a stat. The the hate that the Colts got for hiring oh Jeff Saturday God. was unbelievable. <laughs> like, I mean, I it, it made I sense. Really do, but <laughs> right, like, right. Some of it was like, like Joe Thomas had like a seven-minute rant. Yeah. Uh, no. Bill Cowher had like a four minute rant. Yeah, Joe Thomas had a, a crazy speech about that. He was he was livid. And he was somebody so somebody dug up the clip from years ago when he was on the uh, Pat McAfee show where he was campaigning to be the head coach of the Browns without any experience. Oh, whoops. Yeah, uh, my Packers got a win, so they're maybe trying to they turn can the corner. Score points now. They can score again. Rodgers decided he has a receiver to throw the football to, so that's exciting that the NFL got underway. You got one more game tonight. Uh, Auburn basketball has got a couple of games this week, like Jacob Hillman just told us. Uh, they play tomorrow and Friday. Uh, you've got high school football coming up this week. You've got high school basketball. Lee Scott's first basketball game is, is Friday so we'll be doing that as well it's a busy busy time uh, as Hillman was saying it's the crossover right now between the fall sports wrapping up and the winter sports getting underway in college and uh, in high school so it's a very busy time Uh, but with Auburn football coming off of the win on Saturday Again, I just can't express, and I think every fan and and media person in Auburn would feel this way, that you could just... The thing that resonates with me coming off of the win on Saturday is how much it meant to Cadillac Williams. That's what what stands solely apart from everything else. It's great. Sure, Auburn won, right? Great. That's fantastic. It's good for us to talk about it. We have a win to talk about. That's fantastic. Regardless of what happens with the future of of Auburn and then what has happened in the past here, the recent past, this little pocket in time, it feels almost like a time capsule moment that Auburn fans will recall for the rest of their lives. And I think that that's something that's really, really cool and really, really unique about Auburn and this period in time right now. Well, it's such a weird time, and it's such an important time, going from a disaster of a previous head coach to finding that possible next head coach who's going to be the head coach for a while. I've talked about it. Cadillac is the bridge right now, and we talked about who it would be and who it needed to be. We said Etheridge at one point, but I think Auburn made the right decision in making a Cadillac. He is the perfect bridge between what was and what's to come. And he has done a perfect job at reuniting an Auburn fan base that had just completely dissolved and just didn't care about Auburn football. Saturday, they didn't care. They watched other games. They went and played golf. They didn't care about Auburn football. But because of Cadillac Williams, now they do. 
That's it for the Monday edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow talking more Auburn football, more college football. It's all coming up tomorrow. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.